Hello, and welcome to The Music Prophet. So this is really exciting because this is episode 10. What? Yeah. Number one. So, high five. And that was a pretty dynamic high five if you're, for everyone listening. fingers in it. Yeah. That was a full, full compression. Yeah, I look at your elbow. (laughs) That's a trick, isn't it? It is. A lot of people try and say it's not, but it is. Look at what just happened. It's true. Magic happens. (laughs) Uh, But this is going to be, I'm really excited because uh, Emily is someone that has been around Sudbury for a while Mm -hmm. and she left it for a bit and then came back, but she's done a lot when it comes to music and beatboxing and spoken word and really getting people to be creative. And I'm really excited to, to let you guys hear the conversation and really just see who she is because it's something that it's nice to see in Sudbury and there's a lot of people in Sudbury that are trying to change the culture and push things forward and make arts accessible, which is always important. Accessibility is the key. Exactly. So, um, so say who you are. Um, so my name is Emily and do I just skip the intro? You just skip. <laughs> but also, what is your, what is your stage name? Um, so my stage name is Sparks. So S P A R X. And um, I am a beatboxer slash vocal percussionist slash I make weird fart noises with my mouth and it works out pretty good for me. Um, And I am a Sudbury native, strong and proud. They always do come back. Um, And I just moved back in October. And so I'm pretty excited to kind of, you know, I met Kyle here. That's the guy that who's voice was doing the intro if you don't know um and we're just getting involved with like the art scene in Sudbury and seeing what we can do with it there are a lot of really awesome and creative people in this city and you know I came out from of it so it's not too bad Kyle moved to it so it's not too bad um and we're just really trying to find you know the artists there's a lot of niche really cool artists in this city um and so yeah we're back here trying to find them. Yeah. Where are you? <laughs> so, but where do you find yourself in that mix? Like, where does beatboxing fit into all the other music genres? You know what? I think beatboxing has its own place in all of them. Um, it Because drumming does and rhythm does, and beatboxing is something like, you could be a beatboxer that's just doing percussion all the time, like giving a beat like, <laughs> And those beats, you know, every single song has a rhythm, something that you nod your head to, something that you tap your foot to. Um, But then every song also has melodies, which beatboxers can also do like a... And so, you know, it does come under the hip hop umbrella, but I don't see myself, um, I see my art as coming from hip hop, but I don't see myself solely stuck to a hip hop culture. Um, I'm very proud to come from that culture, but. I make a lot of different kinds of music. I I get inspired by people from the likes of James Brown to Jay Dilla to Kelly Clarkson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in music, uh, beatboxing can have different kinds of shoes. You know, it, it all depends on what your style is as an artist, which is really cool about the art. You know, you can kind of choose, do I want to be a hip hop artist? There's a lot of people that just choose to be like an acapella artist. So there'll be like a pentatonics or a pitch perfect type of beatboxer. 
Um, or you could choose to be, you know, I want to be this like crazy EDM dubstep artist and you're like, wow, I have yet to hear a country beatboxer, but I'm sure they exist. I'm sure somewhere they do exist. I may have to, you know, and I've tried it. It doesn't go very well with my style, but it is there. Um, but, you know, in, in my own music, I see myself more on the si- side of soul, a lot of soul, a lot of funk, a lot of hip-hop, jazz kind of meshed together into one. But then I'll take a lot of experimental music um, and electronic music and try and mesh that in there. So it's cool because you there's really no guideline. There's no there's no notes like a piano. There's there's even writing your beatbox beats. It's like if I'm going like I'm writing on paper like BTKT, BTKT, Buka Chica, Faka Chica, Kachi, Buka Chica, Faka Chica, Buka Chica, Kachi. You know, there's no strict guideline to where beatboxers fall in, if that makes sense. So you're saying, so you're like, when you make sounds, you're essentially saying words which create that sound? You can. Um, like, that was a pattern that I just did. Like, um, that does, you can put it into your own words, but a lot of um, writing it out, it depends, right? Like I said, there's no guidelines. So every single beatboxer, literally every single one, we write out our beats differently. So I'll write it, um, buka chica, faka chica, kachi. I'll literally write what that sounds like. Um, but then something else I might, if I'm going like a, All right, like you just you just kind of go with it. Um, there's no set structure, um, so you can you know have different phrases, I guess, that turn into beats. Um, but there's no like there's no beatbox. This sounds come from beatboxing, or words come become beatboxing type structure, I guess. Yeah, if that answers. You know, it's because it is, right? It's, it's, it's interesting how that it's still the same songwriting process of tracking everything. Mm-hmm. And then it's just instead of words or instead of notes that people use, you're just trying to translate sound into that. Yeah, which is difficult when they're like, it has its pros and its cons, right? It's like you're free, it's, you're free to write whatever you want, but at the same time, it would be nice to be like, okay, this is the specific notations. Um, but I know there are a few beatboxers that have worked on creating a sort of notation system. Um, but you kind of bounce between voice memos on your phone and you'll write what the idea is and then translating that to a notebook, Mm. um, and keeping both close by, right? One of the worst things that can happen is losing all of your voice memos, which has happened. Yeah. It's not fun. I think. I mean, everyone's gone through that at one point. Right? It sucks, man. I rely on those. Even because I use them so often, I'll say, like, pick up a bag of milk. And so when you lose all of those, it's it's rough. But that's pretty much, if I am if I have a new idea in my head or anything, I take my phone out right away. I kind of record, like, I have some weird sounding ones. I'll listen back and I just hear traffic in the background because I was walking on the street and I hear myself like in the faint distance like with my idea and I'm trying to make it out so hard. Um, sometimes you lose it, right? But the you know, you have to somehow remember it because you're not going to, 
it's not a song that you're like, okay, I'll write down the words and you'll maybe remember the beat later. It's it's like you're making the song, the melody, any if there are words. So you have to find a way to to grasp it and remember it, you know? Yeah, because it's a different process when you make it like with beatboxing and I guess but also like with well, if you're playing guitar, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. If you're Where you just can't track that mm-hmm. on paper, it has to be recorded. Yeah, totally, totally the same process. If you're if you're freestyling any type of instrument, the only difference is maybe with that instrument you can write down it was a G and then I did this. But if you're just experimenting with the different chords or different notes on a piano or a guitar or anything like that, like you understand, you know, you have to take out and record it and uh, try and figure out what that was and maybe you'll come up with your own chord name for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a thing. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Do you play guitar? I mean, like, you can invent chords. A lot of yeah. guitarists have done that. Okay, then fair. Yeah, you can do the same thing. Just name it what you want. Right? Yeah. You just change things up and you just kind of add your own um, spin yeah. to a chord or, like, you do a pull-on yeah. with the chord instead of your normal pull-off kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which I, I love doing, you know, in beatboxing, like, one of the funnest challenges is just trying to find a sound that nobody's done. And you don't really know if nobody's done it before, but you can hope. Uh, but putting in your own spin or style on it, like, um, anything unique uh, that makes it your own and then you use it specifically. Is that something that you consciously think, like, that you consciously think about? You know what? It's something that I I have consciously thought about in the past, but never actually acted upon. Um, So I have found new sounds, but it hasn't been because I'm sitting there thinking, I need to find something totally unique that nobody's ever thought of before. It's it's 99% of the time by accident. So um, I have have this one scratch that I used to do that's like a... And then... I found a whistle in it one day. So it was like, I was going like this, and I heard a whistle, I was like, oh, no way, there's a whistle, sweet. So then um, I kept playing around with that, and then that became like a, and you know, one of those types of whistles. And then from there, I'm playing around with it one day, and I couldn't get the whistle for some reason, and a laser came out of it. So it was like, I was like, and for some reason, my bottom lip wasn't working, I guess. And a laser came, so and that was turns out to be my favorite sound that I use a lot. Um, so yes, those are unique sounds, but never was I sitting there thinking like I need to. And even even this lizard sound that I have, the it's because I was trying to do another sound, a more popular one that like a lot of people do, and I still can't do it to this day. Um, it's called a lip roll, but I was trying to do that, and my tongue was in the wrong place, and so. I stumbled upon that song, that sound. So it's always like by accident, but once you hear, once it comes out of your mouth for the first time, you're like, oh, what was that? And then you try and redo it. It's crazy. Um, and that's the worst part of experimentation. I find that with um, like with poetry, especially when you're deciding when you're trying to play with presentation of it, mm-hmm. that there's times where you, where you phrase something and then you have the struggle where you literally cannot repeat it. Yeah, fair, fair. It's just there's something about the way that you read yeah. something or that you you dragged a line too long and you had to take a breath. Mm-hmm. And that taking that breath forced you to pause on the exact word of the next line. 
And it turned out. And it turned out great. But then when you try to repeat it, yeah. you have to quite literally repeat that, that vocal pattern. Mm-hmm. And that it's just, you can't. mistake you made, right? Yeah. It, 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 honestly, I think um, I was having this conversation with, uh, with actually a, a youth, like, a few weeks back, um, because I, I, I love owning my mistakes. I'm always, you know, I posted something on Instagram like two weeks ago or something, and it was, I, I was in my bedroom trying to do a beat, and I couldn't get it. Like, I, for the life of me, I, I, I mean, I couldn't get it on camera. For the life of me, I was, I was doing it off camera perfectly fine, and then every time I pressed record, I couldn't get it, and I was getting so frustrated, and so I just posted a video of me screwing it up. And, um, and so I started talking to this kid and he was, he was basically saying like, it's really, um, it's really humbling to see people just owning their mistakes. And I, I, I told him, and I believe this wholeheartedly that as artists, most of our masterpieces are mistakes. You know, it's something that we created for the first time. It's not something that was maybe structured or that we intended to make. We don't exactly have a linear outcome when it comes to creating art. We, we're we very emotive, we do what we feel in the moment, and in that, there's a lot of mistakes. Something that we do that turns out great could have been a complete accident. And so it's important as artists to, to own those because it's all part of the process. We are 95% mistake makers. And then the other 5% is like, once we realize that that mistake actually was pretty cool or that accident that we created, then we're like, okay, and then we work to perfect it. Yeah, then you just get really good at building off your mistakes to make them useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think it's like uh, a lot of my art, a lot of the, the sounds that I make, a lot of the routines I've made have been full, just riddled of mistakes and it's part of who I've become as an artist and half my sounds, half my routines just wouldn't exist mm-hmm. if, if they weren't there. So the fact that your set list is never fully confirmed, like that when someone looks you up, they don't get the same thing every time. Does that affect the way that you can play with other like rock bands or metal bands or rappers or no, because I'm very adaptable. Like I, I can create a set list if it's needed. Um, and I usually do if I'm doing like a longer show, but for the most part, you know, I, if I'm performing with another band, it's very hands up in the air. Let's just see how it goes. Cause they usually might have a drummer. I've done shows where it's like, um, I'm with a vocalist and a bassist and, uh, I think there was a guy playing guitar that time. Um, and they, we didn't plan anything. They were just like, just let us start the song with 10 seconds. Let us go 10 seconds in and then just freestyle the rest with us. And it was awesome um, because, you know, the bass is kind of capped with the rhythm. And so oh. I just followed what I was hearing from him and it was all improvised. It was, it, and that was really cool. So in that sense, it hasn't affected um, shows or anything just because it means that just if, if my, if I show up to a gig and it gets cut from, being 30 minutes to like five minutes, I can be like, okay, sure. Like I can adapt to that. It's not like I don't have anything or if I, if vice versa happened, I can, okay, right. sure. I can adapt to that. But that must be brutal for the vocal cords though. Isn't like, how do you, is that, is that something that comes up where after a 30 minute show, since you're using yeah. purely vocal cords, the fact you, other musicians can play three minutes of a song, but they're doing sort of more, Basic no. actions versus 
what you're doing? Um, I think if anything, I see, I don't do too much vocal that would be hard on my vocal cords. Like hard on your vocal cords would be things like uh, vocal basses, like a like just that hurts right. my, my throat. Um, so I would be very like flexible with those sounds. If I'm, if I'm doing a regular set, it involves singing. Um, it wouldn't be that much different from a singer. It would probably be more lenient because I have some bits where I'm not doing any of those vocals at all. I'm doing like, that doesn't use any of my vocals. Right. Um, it's just using like my jaw, which it would get sore. Um, but you get used to it after a while. I did have TMJ back in the day though. And so now I know to like do really like like to do stretches for my jaw beforehand. You might want um, to expand on what that is. TMJ. Don't know probably. Um, I I can't <laughs> tell you what the acronym stands for. Doctors can, but I can't. Um, but it's basically uh, when you. It's usually when people grind their teeth at night that it stresses your jaw out so much. Right. For some, it can lock. For some, you get headaches. I have the really bad migraines and um, like jaw soreness. And so I went to my doctor and they're like, yeah, it sounds like you grind your teeth. I'm like, no, like, do you think it would be because I do this beatboxing thing? And they were like, what is that? So I did it in the doctor's office. And mind you, this was two weeks before the world championship. So I was practicing four hours a day, like easily. And which was, you know, hard on my jaw. And so they were like, after they heard it, they're like, yeah, that's, that's probably it. Like never heard that before, but that's, that's probably why. How often are you doing it? four hours a day that's definitely why so they gave me all these um these different stretches and exercises that i have to do like stretching mm. like resistance exercises and massaging and just things that i have to do to kind of uh rehabilitate my job back then i had to do it and now i do it to just like maintain and stretch it before using right. uh, which is so funny because we we talk all day long and we use our jaws but we're not using them at the intensity of like a beatboxer is right. of like it's shifting so much and opening and closing at like a fast pace. When we talk, it's slower, I guess. But yeah, especially because I mean, even if you talk or like when you go to, when people go to conferences or if you have if you have meetings all day and you're talking for nine or ten hours, mm-hmm. you, your jaw doesn't really hurt that much. No, but whereas when it's extremely quick movement like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I think like I think by now I must be used to it. Like sometimes I do feel like, oh, it's a little sore. Like I'll take a break. Um, but you get used to it. A lot of people ask me about um, my jaw and then also like breathing. Like how are you not out of breath? Um, but those because I've never seen beatboxing before, obviously. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, with with your jaw, you have to make sure like be conscious how it's feeling. If it locks, probably don't do that sound again. Um, and then with with air, like you you have to find sounds that circulate. Where like you know when you're listening to a song and you hear the singer breathe in, like a, mm-hmm. we don't really have those moments, so we do that in sound. So we we'll go like, and that's a breath in, and is a breath out. So right. And then you can you get used to it. I have you know gotten pretty lightheaded from just over practicing, but. Like I said, you also just have to learn from that and be conscious. But it's also a process, right? I mean, you can't avoid that. And if you're practicing yeah. a certain sound. That's the thing. I, I think I was practicing like a, um, what was it? 
Like I was practicing something like that, which yeah, is that like, would do it, yeah. like my lungs are going like this when I do it, like just contracting. Um, so, you know, I had to take a break, drink some tea, and then and then go back to it. Yeah, that would kind of force your lungs to just basically Figure not it out. do anything. I, I don't know. I, can't you like train yourself to stay underwater for longer? Yeah, like you can train. It's the same like idea. Yeah, you can train your lungs like the David Blaine way, and yeah. right, like it's it's all malleable, right? I can hold them for a pretty right? long time. I don't know. I never timed it, but it's pretty long. So is that a, like has that is that the result of training more? Is that your lung capacity is actually growing? I think so. Like I can I can hold a note for a while. Beatboxing also taught me to sing because I I wasn't much of a singer before, just in terms of like hitting different notes. And then when I started um, doing things like siren or like the trumpet, it makes you hit higher notes. Right. Um, and so when I was, I think it was when I was learning the trumpet mostly that I was like, and trying out different like pitches and like, Because that's all tone, like that's it's all, all tone, that's all right? keys, right? Mm-hmm. That you're just going up, and yeah, you would get you would have to be conscious about that. Yeah, and I feel like it's just like one day I woke up and I was like, oh, I can actually, you know, do that with my vocal cords too, because I'm already doing it, just you know, in song version. Um, so it it tra- it's trained, you know, my my vocal cords in different ways, my lungs in different ways, my jaw, um, and even like with with rope. Base, like different kinds of throat bases that you do, your vocal cords do strengthen, right? Right. So like if I'm doing like a maybe five years ago that would have really hurt to do or like a those types of sounds. Yeah, so that's going deep in your throat. Yeah, and they're not good for your throat by any means, but you train there's people I know who they're fantastic at doing those sounds and it trains your your vocal cords. So it's not all bad, right? And is that is sort of have you ever so is when you like have you expanded into just singing or like just writing? Like is um, that something that you do that you'll do in the future? Um, writing I do a lot of. Like I, I really do enjoy writing. And last year at Unity Festival, I performed my first like mesh spoken word and beatboxing piece, which was really cool. I don't have it on me because I was literally reading it on stage. Um, but it was cool because I kind of meshed like a faster, faster, spin it around, stop, rewind, the rewind, 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 repeat that sound, different things like that, incorporating mm-hmm. the, the two elements together. And then with singing, like I, I do it with my beatboxing. I don't think I, who knows, you know, who knows where I would mesh into, but I, I would see myself as always incorporating it, but I do take on a lot more beatboxing styles with with singing in them i listen to a lot more beatboxing that is very musical mm-hmm. because there's some beatboxing that it's just straight <laughs> and that's all it is which right. is great i love that too but i cling on i stick to something that's more like a you see the difference? I yeah. Like, one's more like very technical and then one's more musical. There's a song there. There's a story. And it was kind of actually because before the, uh, I, before this, I was looking at 
just, I mean, like videos of her performances, but then also I got trapped into the rabbit hole of just watching beatbox battles. You did? That's awesome. Which was fantastic. <laughs> so anyone listening, you should that. check out some beatbox battles because it's pretty incredible, the diversity of it. Yeah, no, it is. And it's just, it's one of those things that when you go into it, you just, you don't really think about the variety and then you see the styles that like people have and some beatboxers just re- imitate rap songs. Yeah. And essentially just add their own snare drums into it. Mm-hmm. And that's the routine. Or other people just go completely full dubstep oh, trance. Yeah. Like it, it's ridiculous the variety. The, so yeah. That's what I mean, like about like with, with YouTube coming around, it's given it's really help the art develop because like in the 80s and 90s it was very just percussive it was like this is going to be the track or like i said earlier with razal razel oh my gosh razel um who would do the songs on the radio that was like it's a very four four hip-hop bob your head to it Mm. whereas now the because so many kids or people online have been able to just bounce ideas off of each other from, you know, Wisconsin to Europe to Japan, China, Russia, everywhere, all over the world. Um, the the art in itself has evolved so much because, like, some things kid, kids are doing nowadays is insane. They're, like you said, it's like dumbstep trance, like right. whatever they're going into. And then you get styles like, uh, is it Tom Twerk? He's from Australia. Yeah, Tom Thummer. Tom Thummer, that's it. Because yeah. his style, he basically imitates uh, almost this, uh, what it would sound like to recreate a rap beat piece yeah. by piece. And it's yeah. just, it's incredible because yeah. it's, it's out of, it's not even a style. It's just he's imitating human sounds. Mm-hmm. He's a very like point. effects types of, of beatboxer. And that's where like, it's, it's cool because there are so many different kinds. People don't always think that. You hear the word beatboxing, you think right away like a one-two hip-hop beat. And when really, you know, the community itself is just full of like all of these different styles. You go to a battle and you're being judged on musicality, technicality, how original is it? How's your stage performance? Um, Is it unique? Like, is this something we're hearing for the very first time? Things like that, like, are all taken into account. And so we're at the point because this worked maybe like five years ago, but now we're at the point that it's so unique. It's hard to look at a guy, one of my favorite beatboxers, Gene Shinozaki, look at him and like, who's a very musical beatboxer. He's um, very, uh, very inspired by the likes of Bobby McFerrin. Oh yeah. His, his style is just so cool and so musical. It like orgasms all day. Um, but you compare him to like a world champion too, who's all technical, like LM. And it's like, how do you, how do you say one's better than the other in a battle? So it's almost where it's evolved to this point that it's like, we need to almost shift these different categories because it's like, it's, it's almost like, I guess the guitar evolved and we realized like, so country music and, and oh my gosh, and jazz rock. and rock. <laughs> You are completely blanking on genres. And like looking at the this and being like, okay, like it's not all just under the umbrella of guitar. It's under like these different styles that people can do, right? So 
it's it's interesting, and I think it it as it evolves, it's becoming more respected. Um, there's still a lot of people that don't know about it, that don't know um, what it's all about. But compared to when I started, a lot more people that are like, oh yeah, I, like I go to schools in rural Alberta, and a kid looks at me and they're like, yeah, did you see Alexino? Which is like, you know, you you gotta be really into beatboxing to know who that is. And I'm like, yes, I do know it. Like. How do you know? Because of the power of, you know, YouTube and the wormholes and everything like that. So it is the spreading. Um, does that change how you listen to music now? When you listen to certain genres, does the way you interpret it? If I'm listening for that, like, I think it gave me a really open eye to, like, how music is made because I, t- I break down songs. So if, I, if it's a song that I'm really rating and I want to kind of break it down and see if I can do it, then I'll... I'll look at it that way, but I, I've listened to songs and it just makes me really think of, okay, this is the drums and there's the bass and this is the, and then I'm trying to remake it with my, with my mouth. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I can't, this is such a good song. <laughs> like, you don't want to ruin the song. I don't know what's, I don't know what they're doing. This is so good. Because that would be the risk at that point is that by you imitating it and if you can't recreate it directly then now the value of the song is basically at zero. Yeah. In your eyes anyway. Yeah. But also, I mean, if everyone else knows that song and I'm doing a crappy job at covering it, then it's the same as any other musician, just like doing yeah. a great song and, and reproducing it. Only now it's like all pressure on me for that. Yeah, no part. one But it's no hard, you know, it's, cover. it's hard to do a cover and, and add everything acoustically. Like if I'm using a looper machine, then it's different. Um, but if I'm just creating something like No Diggity, where it's like, mm, I like the way you work it. No, 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 no. You, you're not really able to add in other sounds because you're singing and you're doing the snares, right? Um, is that a, so that is actually a really good point, I think, because mm-hmm. when, like, within what you're doing, you're taking songs just adding your own twist. Yeah. So do you, do you have the problem sometimes where you're trying to recreate a song that you know you can't because everyone knows it and you don't want to No, you know what? I think a couple of years ago, I was too hard on myself for that because I was trying to remake a song that everyone knew with uh, Titanium and... Yeah, I see it. Yeah, and I, like, I couldn't... I was listening to the song and I was trying to recreate it and it was just such a headache for me because I was trying to get it exactly how it is. And then I realized, like, no... Like, I don't have to have it, the exact version, um, because that's not what I'm trying to do. So then I think I added, like, a remix. I was like, gosh, I can't remember what I did. I, it was like, bulletproof, proof, 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 Like, you know, I just yeah. remixed it, kind of. Uh, and you, I feel like you do get some leeway because you're doing it all with your mouth. Whereas, like, if you're, like, a full-out cover band... A lot less leeway. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And if you're a producer that has a technology mm-hmm. and pro tools, then you should be. Then what are it. you even doing? Yeah. Which I am like, work. that is something that I'm working on right now of like playing around with different beat pads. And um, I, I got an MPC, and so I'm, I'm definitely learning the tricks of it and hoping to, that it'll help me, you know, progress with my music and just like being able to record over myself and remix. Should should be awesome. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> Once it's finished, then yeah, yeah, exactly. 
as a beatboxer, where does where can you go from here? Like after the world championship, and now that you're teaching kids, mm-hmm. is that where is that what you really want to do with it? You want to educate, get more people into it? I think so. I think that there's a lot that you can do with it. Like I have some friends that are on cruise ships now. Um, that's their careers. I have friends that um, they're performing. They're trying to make it on like America's Got Talent and stuff. Um, and then I have, you know, I know some people that they joined like an acapella band, like Pentatonics, and that, that's um, a career because that's actually really huge in the states. Acapella bands, like it's like surprising. It's a whole shebang, man. Well, um, between that and barbershop quartets, like acapella yeah. music in general is a big thing in the states. Yeah. I don't get it. Massive, massive, and so you can have your entire career mapped out for you if, if that's what you decide you want to do. Um, but I love teaching, you know, and beatboxing was a huge way for me to see how much I loved teaching and being surrounded by youth. So I think that for me, myself, I, I really want to stick to performing. I like making, I like jamming with people um, and uh, and using, uh, my next my next project is figuring out this MPC because that is a headache in itself. <laughs> Just learning any new music software is like, oh no, not again. Because um, like it took forever for Fruity Loops, and now it's like I gotta, I'm back to zero. So um, that's kind of where I want to go next, and see where producing kind of takes me. Uh, because you can just do a lot. I f- feel like you have a good understanding of music and beats and where it all comes from organically. And so you know you can you can do so much things with beatboxing. Um, if you're you know Bobby McFerrin, you conduct entire stadiums just with your voice. Um, or if you're Tom Thummer, you know, if this guy travels, he made this great TED talk, um, back in the day and he's, he's now traveling just like he does sound effects, he does different tracks, but you have to expand. You can't just stick to this one thing. You have to see where else it takes you because it, it, it does take you a lot of ways. Beatboxing is not linear by any means of like, you learn how to beatbox and then you become an artist and that's your career. It's like, no, you got to learn to adapt figure out where you belong, where you see yourself. Do you want to be a teacher? Because that is possible. Um, it's possible to also just be a touring beatboxer opening for shows, right? But the idea that you'll headline, one won't come unless you have other things like you're looping or you're doing, um, or you have a crew or something like that, right? Um, which there are some incredible, incredible crews out there. Um, Barry Wham right now they're I think they're still on America's Got Talent and I think so yeah and they're just killing it so things like that like it's it's there's a lot of options for career wise if you want to do it yeah because there's a lot of room to grow as well I mean so culture mm-hmm. isn't really used to seeing it huge like yeah a lot of room to grow which is why there's just like so many options yeah you can be a gimmick which a lot of people just starting out in beatboxing think that that's the only thing of like, yeah, it's a great party trick or something. Mm. Get booked to do someone's bar mitzvah all the time. But um, there's a lot more options for you as a musician. And but it is important to like push yourself to expand and like learn different things in it. So how did you? Because I think that's you touched on the fact you mentioned that's a gimmick. I think it's something that a lot of musicians go through too, mm-hmm. where they just doesn't matter what skill it is for a while. It's that thing where. Everyone knows you're good at it, so they ask you to sing a few. Oh my gosh. They ask you to like make oh. certain sounds or they ask guitarists <laughs> to make a certain play a certain bass line. 
Yeah. And then that's it. Like, that's what you're going for. You know what, though? One of the... I think... I feel like I... We spoke about this last week, too. Is, like... um, The worst thing is if you're a guitar player and you show up somewhere, you don't have a guitar. Oh, sorry. But me, I show up somewhere and it's like, oh, you're a beatboxer. Beatbox. Right away. And so it is like... It is is a party gimmick. Like, for the longest time... I would go out with my friends and I would, we had a rule, like, don't tell anybody I'm a beatboxer if we were going to a party or something, just because I didn't want to be put on the spot to just beatbox anywhere to anyone. I don't even know your name, Joey. Um, and, and like, it's, I, I relate to that with like comedians too, because comedians, like I had some friends and we'd go out and we'd have my rule in effect. And then someone would let us say, oh, but Joey's a comedian. And then all of a sudden, poor Joey, it's like, tell us a joke then. Um, so in that sense, it's like, yeah, if you have something that you that is niche or you're, or you're talented with and you carry it around, except for singers, you don't hear that much of like, sing no. a song. Um, but I feel like singing is associated with background music. Yeah. And so it's because it's, I don't know whether, yeah, I think that I feel like that's a difference where beatboxing or comedy is all new. Yeah. You create it, you create the sound or the joke. Yeah. So there's no dependency. So they're like, and yeah, go ahead. Just like, they think it's cool. They're like, yeah, entertain us, please. Which is where I say, like, it's a gimmick. Like, singing can see, be seen as a very professional career. Or it's like, yeah, someone could be a bad singer. And so if they say they're a singer, it's like, well, we're not going to put you on the spot. But usually if you're like, I'm a comedian, I'm a beat officer, it's like, oh, so you're an entertainer. Entertain us. Mm-hmm. young Claude um, which so for the longest time I didn't want my career and what I do to be seen as a party trick or a gimmick so I made I would not tell anybody I even still have friends now that I have on Facebook or something and I'll post like a beatboxing video and they'll message me I didn't know you beatbox I've known you for two years what the heck and I try to you know I'm like yeah oops, sorry I didn't want to do it at that party in it just never came up <laughs> and, and, and sometimes you know, it doesn't come out. I have no idea if you play any instruments or right? what you do, right? And so, well, I'm not with poetry 100%. Yeah. Like, sometimes it just doesn't come up in a conversation. Mm-hmm. But I find it's oddly the same. Like, I, I can think back to Northern Lights of 2019 and I had to freestyle poetry with a rap beat twice. No way. Which was ridiculous because you that's it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. It you doesn't. can't freestyle poetry with a musical rhythm because then it's rap. Yeah. And you also just can't, like, do your art right now. Mm. Right now. <laughs> like, I, you know, if you meet a dancer, I'm never going to be like, dance for me right now. Dance, monkey. And the funniest thing happened last night when I, I was at a funeral. And someone I, someone said, like, we should go to the beatbox to, like, the moon. And I was like, time and place, people. Come on. Like, no. You know? But it's, it's something that I guess people don't think of, but you're seen as an entertainer, which yeah. I I don't want to see myself at that. I want to see myself as a musician, as a professional, and when you stoop down to like, yeah, I'll do this for anyone, anywhere, party trick, it's not a snobby thing to do. It's just I genuinely respect my my craft that I don't want it to be just thrown out there, right? Right, and it's also it's a self-confident. It's not even, yeah, it's just you know yourself and you know that Yeah. I'm just, it's not really the right time for this mm-hmm, exactly and I think that should be something that's you know for any artist like um, 
art is a very emotive process. It's a very, you have to be in the right mind frame to do it. Some days I, I just don't feel like waking up and beatboxing. And same for you, probably like writing, right? Um, so if you're not in the right mind frame too, and you're just forcing it, you won't actually gain anything from it. And you should always gain something from performing your art or act, participating in whatever art form you have. So um, it's okay to say no to that. Like it's it's okay to be like, no, I don't feel like it, or no, I don't want to. Uh, and some people may be like, oh, you're bougie. I use the I don't do free shows sometimes. That line usually works. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's, you have to be in the right mind frame. Yeah, because there's a time and there's the context. And yeah. And, and you, you don't want your art to be just seen as something, a gimmick where it's like you're a monkey. Because sometimes it can feel like that. It's then like, it gets undervalued, right? Because exactly. Because then all of a sudden $10 ticket mm-hmm. doesn't seem worth it if they're able to do it. Exactly. In front yeah. of you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would, I feel like that's a valid, like, that's a major problem. And, but how long did it take you then to get over that? Was that something that it just years of performing at parties and finishing and then people go back to their life and <laughs> No, you know on? what? It took me to feel very uncomfortable. It took me to, like, feeling not happy or excited for someone to be like, oh, you're a beatboxer, cool. Like kind of dreading people knowing. Um, and I think I remember like this, there was this one get together I went to a few years. I had been beatboxing for a couple of years. It was after I won, won in world. So like 2016, I'd say. And I was at this place and um, it was like, oh, she's a beatboxer, turn off the music. And so they turned off the music, turned on the lights. And I'm, you know, I'm not a, very shy person, but I can be, um, you know, I, I'm extroverted when I, when I've prepared myself and I'm, you know, ready for it. No, and it's like spotlight, here you go. And so, uh, it was at this party and like everyone just stopped, formed a circle around me. And I was already there being like, no, no, I'm good. No, come on, come on, you gotta do it. And so I, I did. And I felt, I just felt bad after. I didn't feel good. I was like almost embarrassed, but everything, everyone, nothing happened. Like it, everyone was like, that was great. It was it. awesome. Yeah. They enjoyed it. Back to your own life. But it was also just, you know, the follow-up questions that come with it. The So many things. You were there the other day, right? There's a lot of questions afterwards. Um, so I think it was, and that was like the tipping point. Where after that, I was like, we're not telling people. We no. Like, they will sh- they will shut off the music and turn on the lights. We can't have this. We can't. <laughs> we can't have people turning on the lights. Are you kidding me? I'm sweating. Um, and so, and, and that wasn't the first time that someone had turned off the music. And then I feel really bad. I'm like, not everybody in this room wants to hear it. Someone was probably jamming out really hard to that song. And now they're like, who's this, Right. Um, so like, yeah, I think it was like a sequence of events and then it was like, okay, this is, this is making me feel bad about my art. It's making me feel like it's under, undervalued, underappreciated, even though people are very appreciative of it in the moment. Um, and I realized I'm just like, I need to do things that like make me feel comfortable. And if I want to still go out and have fun, then I got to be comfortable. Cause like, otherwise the whole night's off, right? I might as well go home. 
Um, and then I, I got to value my art form. I got to, you know, raise the bar that is this, do I really just want to, you know, oh, you want to hear what I do? Sure. I'll do something that I just came up with on the spot while I'm, you know, not prepared for it. Or do I want to say like, Hey, check out my stuff that I've worked on professionally mm-hmm. and follow me, like help me out in my career. Because if they heard it, if they hear it all there, they're not going to go home and maybe look for it, right? So it, it came to that kind of sense of me trying to grow my career professionally. Am I just going to for anyone in any home? And I still do, you know, in the right settings, like I still, you know, go to campfires and like we end up jamming and it's great, but that's by choice. Right. And it's also a jam session, right? You know, it's like a it's... jam session. <laughs> Come on, people. I, I hate being the only one in the room, you know, but uh, it's it's definitely something that I think people who have, I guess, a transportable art form can relate to. Of like, yeah, you don't you don't want to tell a joke every time you tell somebody that you do make jokes for a living uh, because you just don't feel, you have an off button. Sure. You don't you don't go up to Jimmy Fallon in the streets and you're like Jimmy, Jimmy, tell me a joke. Right. Come on, Jimmy. You know he's off. He's doing his own thing, right? Um, just same as I don't look at every accountant and give him my tax dollars, <laughs> you know, do them now, right now. <laughs> That's a good way to finish it too, I think. Yeah. Because things are moving forward and so is this show. Ooh. Right? I know transitions are becoming my specialty. Wow. Really? <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> uh, but that was, that was really cool though. That was a really good conversation I think and it was actually it was really cool to see the mix of the freestyling and then just the overall it was a dope conversation I think. yeah we killed it yeah we you nailed it. it yeah <laughs> halfway through I realized I have a Spider-Man sticker on me that is I saw you a Spider-Man sticker and I liked yeah. it yeah <laughs> <laughs> a child definitely put this on me today I showered and everything I guess it just really stuck um it, it was meant to be there those three-year-olds they'll get you so do you want to so tell us where we can find you oh, yeah. before you go? Sorry, I'm just trying to stay here. And then well then it was then so, it's gonna be safe space, which is exciting because we have another musician on that show actually. So you guys can um, you guys can find me on uh, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube at Sparks Beatbox, so S-P-A-R-X, and then beatbox B-E-A-T-B-O-X if you need to know. Um, and I post a lot of, um, I post a lot of, uh, beatboxing, just like, like I was saying earlier, when I have an idea, uh, I'll go on my phone and make a video and it'll probably go really badly, but then I'll post it anyways, just to show the process. Um, and then on YouTube, I have some finished pieces on it, some battles that you can probably find. Um, but I, I mostly just post finished pieces on, on YouTube. So Instagram is like the process. And then YouTube, you can see the the end result. So definitely find me there. And if you guys heard of me through here, let me know. Let Kyle know. Yeah. I'll let Kyle know if you let me know. <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> and uh, and thanks for listening. It's uh, I'm really excited that I found that, that I got to ten episodes. It's a good start. It's small, but it's a good it's a good start. Ten episodes. To so stay tuned for next week on The Music Prophet.